Hey everyone, welcome to Ecclesia this week, um, the final uh, Sunday night meeting of the year for us at Ecclesia Hattiesburg, uh, the fourth week of Advent, and uh, we are glad that you are joining us. Um, if you have never met with us in person before, um, we hope that you will take the opportunity to do that when we have a chance to meet together uh, in person again, uh, hopefully before too long. Uh, we got back for three weeks. It was a lot of fun. Technologically, it didn't always go great, but uh, as far as just seeing people in the room, it was uh, it was outstanding, and, and uh, I miss it. So um, hate that we can't do that right now. We will again soon, but we are glad that you are uh, in visiting us uh, virtually right now for the fourth week of Advent. Um, I only really have one announcement for you, and then we'll get into our Advent reading uh, and the Advent song uh, for the week and then uh, a short reflection on, on the passage for this week. Um, and that's just to remind you that we're doing our Christmas giving right now. And that's not uh, asking you for additional offerings for our congregation or for the work we're doing at Hawkins and those kind of things. Each Christmas, we ask you to think about giving above and beyond um, what you normally would uh, for the ministries and work of Ecclesia uh, to support uh, something outside of us that we feel like is a great cause. And uh, this year we're staying in town. We're uh, trying to ask people to give uh, to Edward Street Fellowship Center. And so we're doing a Christmas offering. We're gathering that. And then we're going to give all the proceeds, 100% of that, to Edward Street Fellowship Center, who's doing such incredible work feeding people and uh, taking care of them in their medical clinic. And the demand has been so great this year. And we know they have just worked so hard. And so we want to do whatever we can to let them know how much we love them and uh, enable them to continue doing the good work they're doing. Uh, this week, uh, Ecclesia as a church um, uh, fronted uh, about $12,000 uh, to buy turkeys and hams for uh, the folks that Edward Street serves that they might have some kind of special Christmas um, meal. And so uh, we bought those this week and, and those got delivered and we are thankful for that. And uh, we're going to be utilizing a CARES Act grant to help reimburse for that so we can uh, make our money go further. But um, I'm just grateful to work with a group of people who have such a mind for service uh, and for making this community better. Um, and so it's it's been, it was a lot of fun to see that happen this week. Um, my family and I are getting ready to travel, getting ready to, we've been isolating for the week, getting ready to go see family, that kind of thing. Uh, so I won't uh, physically see anyone around for Christmas this year, but we pray that this season will be a good one for you and for your family. Um, what I want to do before we get into reflections on this week's um, uh, scripture is to uh, take a second. We're going to listen to the Advent reading and have the prayer that we would normally be doing in person when we're lighting the candle. And then the band has done yet another uh, great song for us. And so uh, we'll listen to that and then uh, we'll talk for a few minutes about the passage and then uh, head on into the Christmas week. So uh, thanks again for joining us. And uh, hopefully we get to see you again in person soon. Uh, but let's go ahead and keep moving with our uh, Advent service. The fourth candle of our Advent wreath is the shepherd's candle. With the lighting of this candle, we embrace the reality that Christ came to bring peace for all humankind, from the lowliest of shepherds to the loftiest of kings. The angel did not appear to a great king, but appeared to Mary and Joseph. The child, God with us, would scandalize the world by bringing peace to Pharisees, fishermen, tax collectors, and sinners. 
Do not be afraid. The child that comes will save his people from their sins. Let us pray together. Come, O Holy One, as the beloved child, Emmanuel. Soften our hearts and open our arms for your coming, that we may make this a place worthy and warm, kindly and safe for all your children. In the name of Jesus, amen.
Sorry, the sermon won't be as good as that song. But uh, <laughs> let's begin uh, by reading our gospel passage tonight. Uh, it is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. And we'll have a short reflection on the person of Mary tonight. Luke 1, 26 through 38 says this. In the sixth month, an angel, Gabriel, was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth. To a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and he said, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and wondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever in his kingdom. For his kingdom there will be no end. Verse 34, Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be born holy. He will be called Son of God. Now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her, who was said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. And then the angel departed from her. Um, I, I'm wondering, if for you, is there anything worse than losing control? Anything worse than those moments when things don't go according to the way you want them to and you're trying to make them go, when you have your kind of autonomy taken away from you and you don't get to maneuver things the way you'd like? Is there anything worse than losing control? I remember listening to a podcast uh, not too long ago, and it was a story of a man who was uh, in this vegetative state for years. Uh, everyone thought he was basically gone, although his body was still there. He was totally unresponsive. Um, he was put in this home, and he was assumed to basically be dead for all intents and purposes, right? But as it turns out, and I, and I want to, if I remember right, I think it was like a decade or something for a long time. He was conscious the whole time, right? Um, he couldn't say anything, couldn't move anything. He couldn't indicate to anyone that he was there, but he could hear everything. He understood everything. He's conscious the entire time, right? It's, it's like a total nightmare. He was subject to whatever anyone else wanted all of the time. No autonomy, no control whatsoever, right? No, uh, no power over where he was moved or not, whether he was cleaned or not, whether his lips were wet or left dried to crack, right? He was often kind of sat up and put in this common room of this home. Uh, and, and he talked about one, one of the worst things being that um, he had no control over the TV and how awful the TV shows that were on, that were on all the time and how often, even when they were bad, um, it also kind of sent him in a place where he couldn't really see it either. 
He heard everything around him. He understood everyone around him. He listened to everything they said to him or about him or around him, all the while having no control, right? It was assumed that he couldn't hear or wouldn't understand, but he could. And just later at some point, he just got better and explained to everyone what had been happening the whole time. I just can't think of anything worse. It's, it is my nightmare, night, nightmare that I would have that little a control over things, right? There are a few things that make me more immediately irate than that lack of control, right? A traffic jam will make me just borderline homicidal when all of traffic just stops and there's nothing you can do. That's why I had to not live in Atlanta anymore at one point. I will throw golf clubs on the golf course. I'm not proud of that. I'm not a competitive person, but it feels like something I should have control of. And if you've seen me play golf, you know I definitely don't. And even in more kind of serious ways or important ways, I mean, I know for the Dixon family in the last couple of weeks, um, it's felt like there's been a real lack of control of anything. We've been trying to isolate so we can travel and see medically vulnerable family uh, over Christmas. There's been tons of work to do while everyone's at home and the kids are at home and the kids are pushing every single button. And my son is just determined to not ever just go to sleep and sleep like he should, right? And uh, both my parents right now are having major health issues that we can't figure out and we don't have any control of and trying to map out how to travel with kids in a safe way and not expose ourselves to COVID while we try to go see our medically uh, vulnerable parents in the middle of a pandemic. It's just, it's just everything. It just feels out of control, right? Uh, I'm there. I can't make things happen the way I want to in the way I want to at the time. I want to. The sheer volume of things out of my control right now is uh, overwhelming at moments. And I know, I know you'd think I'd be used to it by the last couple of weeks of 2020. If we've been trained for anything this year, it should be this. But still, even at the end of this, this year, um, a loss of control is so hard. And this week's text is about Mary who we've seen the statues and the paintings and the and listen to the reverence. And she kind of floats above the earth at this point in our minds. But like, just think about Mary. Cause really for her, nothing about her life on, on a normal basis, nothing about her life indicates um, the ability to control much, even on a good day, right? She's, she's a teenager. She's a girl in a small religious community in ancient Palestine. Um, very little of her life was really completely under her control anyways, right? She lived before modern conveniences in a town that people say was probably at most maybe 50 families or something where you really had to just work to survive. At a time when females were treated and kind of operated as much as uh, like property as people. 
mean, very little control, very little self-determination in her life as it was, really just by virtue of when she was born, where she was born, the gender she was born, fill in the blanks. Right? It sounds like the setup to a wonderful story of someone who gets out, someone who leaves the small town and, you know, uh, goes and makes it on their own terms in the big city. True freedom and self-determination. This, this is kind of how the American version of the story would go, except that's not what happens here. No, this teenage girl with very little self-determination anyways in a small religious town in ancient Palestine gets pregnant. Out of wedlock, gets pregnant. I mean, the few things she had control over, uh, the sincerity of her religious practice, her, her reputation, her own body, gone, right? She gets pregnant. She's going to get talked about. There's going to be things assumed about her. Not as a result of any claim on her own freedom or, or desire. She doesn't get pregnant from anything fun. <laughs> no, she's just chosen, totally out of her control. And now she is pregnant. And I know we picture the glowing pregnant Mary. But pregnancy was no joke back then. It's the number one killer for women right? Dangerous. It was, it was um, unpredictable. It was out of control in so many ways. And in this small kind of agrarian religious town, now the engagement and, marry, and marriage that she kind of had planted in place or in question, now even her own body won't be her own for nine months. Actually, more than that. I mean, that's even when, the, when, the baby, when the baby arrives, it's not like the mother just gets to go do whatever she wants. So even longer than that, for years, her body will not be her own. The hard work that is just part of living during that time and in that place is going to be done pregnant. It's going to be done while nauseated and hot and breathless and achy. And the angel says, greetings, favored one. And Mary is understandably perplexed, it says. She hears this news, the pronouncement of what her life will be now. And this very common teenage girl who's just lost the little bit of autonomy she had, the little bit of control she had in her life, this teenage girl responds with, here am I, Servant of the Lord, let it be with me according to your word. What? <laughs> Would not be my response. And I know uh, as a Protestant, I'm supposed to be careful about revering Mary too much, right? Got to be careful about that as a Protestant. But maybe we should consider for just a moment tonight, what a miracle this teenage girl was. How, how does one respond to news like this in a way like that? I know I wouldn't. Yesterday, um, I was crossing right about the one hour mark of trying to get my exhausted son to sleep. And 
I got so mad about being completely out of control of a situation that I felt like I should be able to just make happen that I walked into the other room. There's no one else in there. Walked in the other room and I cursed. And then I kicked a giant stuffed bear full force, like as hard as I possibly could. Again, no one was there. And, uh, you know, if a, what was it? If a preacher cussed in the wood and no one's there to hear it, uh, it's, it's not a sin. But um, that was one hour of not being able to get my son to sleep. And I took it out on a stuffed bear. Not my proudest moment, right? I am, I am no Mary. Um, but I need to maybe spend a little time looking at her and thinking about her this season, All right? Because I'm I'm no fan of the acceptance of this kind of loss of control. I'm not interested in trying to find the deeper purpose or meaning in the world that has gone awry. I have plans, All right? I had a plan. You have plans. I bet this year has really messed those up. This is a good year uh, to marvel for a moment at this young lady. To see that at its core, faith is this, this confidence, no matter how occasionally shaky it might get, this confidence that there is something deeper and more eternal to be found in our broken plans. That the lives of those of us for whom it is not all going according to script happens to be exactly the kind of place where God's incarnation shows up. In fact, I don't believe there's a single story in scripture of any of the biblical uh, heroes, for lack of a better word, any of the biblical heroes whose lives are just going according to script and are going exactly as they should and whose lives are turning out exactly the way they would predict and want and write out for themselves if they could. They were given the chance this would not be the story for them. It's, I mean, it's, it's ubiquitous in Scripture. And yet we somehow convince ourselves that this is not how it's supposed to work in this world. I've got a plan. It's supposed to go according to that plan. I'm supposed to have control over all of this. And Mary reminds us that the goodness of this life is not dependent on the control we maintain. The goodness of this life is not dependent on the control we maintain. And believe me, there's, there is so much about this Christmas season I would write very differently um, if it was in my power. A lot of it I'd write almost entirely opposite <laughs> of what's happening. And you may be in the same position. But perhaps we can look to Mary. We can look to her faith. We can remember... What we are learning in this Advent season and the, in the arrival of Christ and the way Christ came in the place and in the time. And we can hold on to that faith that God is here, overshadowing it all.
And because of that, it is holy. It may be off script. It may be painful. It may be sweaty and uncomfortable. It may not be what you had in mind. But God is here overshadowing it all. And because of that, it is holy. So maybe I can just quit kicking bears and begin to say, I am your servant. Let it be. Peace be with you. Have a wonderful Christmas. I hope to see you again in person soon. Uh, peace be with you.